Hey, y'all. You're listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. Spun Counter Guy, thanks for stopping by. Welcome to part three of our look at the Door of Hope Crisis Pregnancy Center of Madisonville, Kentucky. Today we're going to chat with Martha Stevenson, who volunteers at the facility and is involved, along with her husband, with her own transformation ministries. Though we'll get into the issues of sexual abuse, forgiveness of the self, forgiveness of those who have hurt the self, popular American culture's effect on our moral compasses, and many other topics, we start by talking about Miss Stevenson's work at the Door of Hope. So many times women uh, come to Door of Hope wanting a free pregnancy test to find out if they are really pregnant and then a free ultrasound. And of course everything at Door of Hope is free and confidential. I often help them work through Uh, relationship issues that maybe are from a past relationship, sexual abuse issues uh, from their childhood or their teen years, rape issues. Um, Many women have experienced rape and are really still suffering, you know, from that trauma. Well, explain that. I've often heard that that's kind of a cycle where maybe they were kind of fine and then they got raped or or molested or something. Mm -hmm. And then starts this perpetual looking for love in all the wrong places, Mm -hmm. seeking the approval of wrong kind of men. Well, sometimes too, I think people or women begin to believe that they are pretty worthless after a rape or after a trauma relationship that has been abusive in some way. And the way she thinks about herself colors her choices from that point forward. So I try and help them realize that whatever they're thinking and believing about themselves is going to guide them in who they choose to be with, you know, in the next relationship. And to think about, you know, well, how, how do I want my life to go forward? How can I make better choices? And a lot of women just need to even, even stop and think about it. Many of them are, you know, involved in drugs or alcohol as a a numbing device to cope with the remembered trauma. And so that's another issue, you know, and to try and and, uh, connect them to recovery help, whether it's um, AA or Celebrate Recovery, different, you know, different things for whatever their needs are. But I try to get to the root of their pain because that's part of what drives people's choices is their emotional pain and what they've suffered in their, you know, in their, their life. And uh, I try to help them see that their, their life can move forward in a new direction. They don't have to stay in this mindset about their worth or value and that God really loves them and wants to guide them in a better, better way. So I give them that space to talk and, you know, process what's happened to them, that it matters what's happened to them, and they don't have to be controlled by it. The argument, usually for the legality of abortion, is that often these women have went through, uh, had a bad life anyway, and, you know, getting stuck with a kid is Mm -hmm. is just going to make it that much worse. How would you counter that? Because I'm sure Mm -hmm. some of the women you counsel say, this is the last thing I need right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Door of Hope never 
counsels for abortion, but always offers alternatives, including adoption, and that uh, realization that there is someone there you know, who would love to have a child, and if this person is willing to give their child to another family to, to live with and to raise as their own child, you know, it's a tremendous gift to someone else. We try to urge them to um, carry the pregnancy and to see that baby as a, a live human being right from the start that when the egg and sperm get together, you know, that's all they need. From that point forward, nothing's added. It just, they just grow and they flourish in the womb. It's supposed to be a very safe place. Anyway, we want them to know that, that either way, whether they choose life or they choose abortion, you know, we want to be there to support them and encourage them and walk alongside them, help them through their issues. What are some of the success stories that you can think of? You don't have to name names, of course. No, right. Well, there was an incident where a girl came in and she wanted, of course, the ultrasound. She she had already done a home pregnancy test and was pretty, pretty sure she was pregnant, but the nurse manager at Door of Hope went ahead and did another pregnancy test just to be sure, and then she said, well, let's just look, you know, do an ultrasound, and so they did, and uh, she was determined to have an abortion, but when she saw that, that heartbeat on the screen and um, the shape of the baby, she was just, you know, just awestruck and very tearful, and she left not knowing, you know, the nurse manager didn't know for sure if she was going to carry her pregnancy or not, and she urged her to please come back. Whether she, whatever happened, she wanted to see her again. And so, um, a few weeks later, she came back, and she obviously was filling out, and she was so pleased because she was going to carry her baby, and she uh, was a happy, you know, it was a happy story. And they followed her pregnancy through to the birth, and. That was a really good outcome. Another instance that I remember too, which was a long time ago, was a young woman who came in and um, the uh, ultrasound showed that the pregnancy was actually a tubal pregnancy, which is in the fallopian tube and it's not, it's a very dangerous place. And so the person that was doing the ultrasound at that time connected her to the um, doctor and you know said you really need to go right now to get this taken care of because it could rupture and cause you a great deal of trouble so you know in a sense that saved her life because she did have to have that that removed and was in the hospital you know for a little bit of time but came back to Door of Hope to thank the person that had done the ultrasound because that was just like a miracle she had no idea so in that case, the, the baby had to, to be? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the sad thing about a tubal you know, pregnancy is it can't flourish. There's nothing no. they can do. Okay. I imagine walking around town on occasion, you see a child that you know that you had some hand in mm -hmm. helping. Mm -hmm. I know you're probably hesitant to pat yourself on the back, but the, I assume that that does encourage you a little bit. Oh, it gives us great joy. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we always say we're not going to going to acknowledge people out in public mm -hmm. unless they acknowledge us first, because we want to guard their confidentiality. Sure. But so often, you know, we've had women come rushing up to us in the grocery store or Walmart and mm -hmm. and say, "Oh, I want you to see my baby now," and you know, and show off the the child and or pictures on their phone or. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, humans are creatures of habit, mm -hmm. and often someone has made a lot of bad choices, even if they, so in this case, made a bad choice, got pregnant, mm -hmm. decides to keep a child, but then keeps making bad choices. Do you see that a lot, and how do you kind of deal with that? Well, I think that's one reason that um, my husband and I began Transformation Ministries, because we wanted to follow up with people who were still making bad choices. Mm -hmm and try and break that cycle by getting to the root of some of their issues. You know, I think Door of Hope sees a woman through her pregnancy and um, the first, actually the first two years of the child's life, they can come and get earn while you learn points and be able to get baby things and be, be encouraged and meet with a mentor and, and share their problems and be prayed for. So it's really a good support system for that early family if the woman wants that. And there are also men mentors for the, the men. And uh, that's another part of the ministry that's available at Door of Hope. One of the things Door of Hope does is offers counseling for different areas of their life, their finances, their educational, you know, things that they want to press forward with goals maybe that they were afraid they couldn't meet. Um, but especially in how to, how to have a good relationship, how to choose someone that will really do them good and not harm, and also be a good parent. So there are parenting uh, classes, parenting DVDs that they watch, that kind of thing to encourage them. And there's also offers of financial counseling or uh, budgeting, you know, that kind of thing. And all of that is hopefully going to steer them in that making better choices and you know as, as I said before drugs and alcohol can really you know really be um, a, a big issue as far as um, derailing you know a forward movement a movement toward a better life so we want to connect them to the the right resources where they can get the support and the help in that area Door of Hope doesn't really do any um, substance abuse counseling or anything like that, but they will connect people to that right resource. Mm -hmm. So that's you know that's a good, good connection, a hopeful connection for the women and men who come through that door. If you don't know what transvaginal ultrasound law is, I'll explain. That's that law where they said you could have an abortion, and they're like, you want some baby pictures first? <laughs> All they're trying to do is get your doctor to talk you out of the abortion. That's it. If they're going to do that, shouldn't they also be required to show you pictures of how your life will be affected if you choose to have the child? <laughs> like, look, here's all your friends having fun without you. <laughs> look at this one. That one's blank. That's how much money you'll have. The culture, the American culture, at least at the moment, is pretty well, hostile to what y'all are doing. Mm -hmm. But also... It's probably counterproductive as far as going back to the bad choices thing and they you know there's a lot of funny movies out there about people making terrible choices mm -hmm. and it's I've laughed at them myself but it gets harder and harder to laugh at them especially where I work and see the results of awful choices especially how it affects children who are totally innocent and all mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. 
how do you approach that? The culture, you mean? Yeah, because yeah. you can't get out of it. Right. Well, one thing we don't apologize for is that we are a Christ-centered ministry. And so people who come to Door of Hope know that up front. Mm-hmm. And um, we ask permission to pray with a, a girl or, a, or a, you know, the men with the men. Usually, it's been a really, I think maybe once I was told, no, I don't mm-hmm. want you to. Mm-hmm. But usually people want to be prayed for. They want all the help they can get. Mm-hmm. They've kind of reached that place when they come to Door of Hope. With that inroad, that avenue, we offer them Bible studies to do in relation to whatever their issues are. And that sowing seeds, it's really seed planting because we can't fix anybody and we can't really change anybody's, you know, mindset. But if they're willing to keep coming um, with the incentive even of the Earn While You Learn program, you know, that puts them in a, a season of their lives where they are exposed to things that probably they would not be in the regular life that they were leading, whatever social life they had or or church or not church. I feel like that our culture, our movies, uh, music, it's a point of reference for most of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just how maybe the Bible or, or Shakespeare or even, you know, Greek tragedies uh-huh. were for the longest time like the right. point of reference for the Euro- European culture over the West, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's been kind of replaced with, you know, sitcoms and right, right. You know, pop music and all that. When you talk to folks do they sometimes like reference the pop culture as oh yes okay. sometimes they'll talk about things and i have no clue what they're talking <laughs> right. about yeah. but some of the younger mentors at door of hope you know they're they're sad they're they know, yeah, yeah. They, they, they connect <laughs> so that's really good i think that i'm finding at um, 68 now that oh, wow. you know <laughs> i'm part of that baby boomer uh, life in the 60s and, and 70s that is really, you know, sort of being left behind in ways, and that's okay. I don't mind, but I, I, it's kind of awkward if you don't know exactly what they're talking about as right. far as TV shows or something uh, on the computer, you know. Right. Well, join the club. Yeah. I see the oceans crashing and the lavender skies. I see the clouds flashing. Tell me, who am I? You're the air that I'm breathing while I'm lying asleep, and you're the cool of the evening. Now you got me believing, singing. The thing that I think is really interesting that you do is you consult women who have had abortions. Obviously, they either never came to Door Hope in the first place or they had rejected the help mm-hmm. and then felt a sense of guilt. So, first off, what do you say to a woman or man who insisted on having an abortion and can't forgive themselves. Well, I invite them to um, just consider going through a Bible study, you know, with me or in a group. Mm -hmm. We have uh, a leader and a co-leader usually who actually will do a post-abortion recovery group Mm -hmm. with um, men or women, depending on. And uh, we don't do mixed groups, but, you know, because they have very unique differences there. But I suggest that that might be a really helpful way to honor their child and to put things in their right place because the culture does not allow for grieving that loss. Mm -hmm. A lot of women, and uh, 
men feel like, well, it's legal. It should, I, I shouldn't feel this way. And so they, you know, it leads them to try and, and cope with uh, their emotions and numb them or escape in some way from the way they feel. So often people come to, to transformation ministries and they're having those, those secondary issues, those things down the, the road years later. Well, a cynic might say, well, I don't think abortion's in the Bible. What could reading the Bible possibly do to help me? <laughs> well, learning about God's heart for that child and that there's, um, you know, there is life after death. Whether you believe that or not, even considering it and considering forgiveness in the light of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So that's really, you know, that's the pathway that we offer. And I suspect that people who contact uh, Door of Hope are spiritually hungry. They're looking for some answers mm -hmm. and for some relief. I've talked to so many people who've been in um, secular therapy or I've been on medication for anxiety and panic attacks, and they just aren't getting any better. And so they're desperate, and they think, well, maybe there's something to uh, looking into, uh, you know, the spiritual angle of healing. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, you know, what my specialty is. Now, this is kind of maybe going off on a side trip, but I think a lot of folks of, well, probably any generation, but especially recently, part of their hurt that they bring uh, to their life and again to the bad choices is that they've been hurt by the church. Mm -hmm. Do you find that a lot in counseling? Oh, yes. So how would you advise someone who they've either been hurt terribly or, you know, just maybe made feel worthless or maybe even mm -hmm. something horrible that right. was done right. by a supposed man of God or a woman mm -hmm. of God? Well, I just want them to have a safe place that's confidential to pour their heart out without experiencing judgment. And so I let them, you know, tell me their story. Because we all have a story. We all have, have lived our lives and made, made choices and come to decide what we're going to believe about God or about uh, people, about uh, pain. And uh, I think people really need to process that, to be heard, to have someone hear their story. And so that's one of the gifts that, that I bring, and I know it's one of the gifts that the mentors at Door of Hope try to do. Um, you know, I would encourage them to um, look at God from a different perspective, not just through the church, because the church is made up of people, and people aren't perfect, mm -hmm. and people, people can really wound each other. and people aren't God. So I want to help them steer away from, from being stuck and seeing God through God's people. I mean, ideally, that sounds like it should be a good thing. Right. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of people hurt each other in church. And so that's, uh, again, I, I, I love the church and I see it as an important place of community and growth and so forth, but um, a church is is a mixed bag of healthy and unhealthy people. So anyway, to say that is to say I try and help people uh, tell their story, what did happen to them, and what they've come to believe about God. And so then I, I invite them to look in God's Word with me, and, and we look at different uh, areas of 
who God is. Mm -hmm. And actually the post-abortion recovery Bible study begins, the first chapter is on the character of God and who he really is. Mm -hmm. And that, boy, that, you know, that is the longest chapter in the book because learning that there is this person who truly loves us and actually formed us in our mother's wombs and, you know, wants to do us good our whole lives. Um, I mean, a lot of people just haven't even considered. Right. Well, he's, I think to quote Brendan Manning, some Christians have created God in their own image. Exactly, And yes. made him out to be a jerk. And, exactly. Yeah, so. Yes. Yeah, you know, that is a brand new um, opportunity for most people that they just haven't had because it's either, you know, go to church and listen to a sermon or go to a counselor and be, you know, given medication or counseled for something. But to have an opportunity to actually explore what do I think, what am I believing about, about a lot of things, but especially about God. And people can, I've had lots of people that have discovered, I was believing lies, false things about God. And to discover who he really is in his word and his character like that gives a person hope. And they learn what he says about forgiveness and why, why it's so valuable to really pay attention to what... Um, you know, who has hurt me, what they did, what it meant to me, and how I began to think about myself or my, my life, you know, after that uh, event or, or even a whole life of events. So that's, you know, that's a pathway that I often work with people, you know, to go down in order to recover their view of themselves in a healthier light and uh, to accept God's forgiveness for their sins as well as the sins committed against them. That's just so freeing for people. We'll talk about that. How does someone forgive, like someone, maybe uh, they've been raped or molested. Mm -hmm. How do you help someone forgive? And I would, again, to play contrary, and I think the, the, uh, the culture would say they cannot be forgiven. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Well, I have a, a real personal... Are they, I should say, are they, they should not be forgiven. Right, okay. exactly. Sorry. Yeah, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and, you know, I have a, a personal history with sexual abuse as a child. Mm -hmm. And so that's what started me down this trail a uh, hundred years ago. <laughs> well, I was about to ask, because, you know, you seem like you've got it together, and I, I would think that some people are like, well, you don't understand. Your, oh, your life yeah. is perfect. <laughs> No, okay. I had reached a point in my 30s where I was just, you know, I couldn't, I, as, as an expression is keeping balloons underwater. You've got to keep pushing them back down, pushing them down. And I was worn out and I couldn't keep stuff down anymore. And I was remembering things that I had tried to stuff and forget most of my life. And so I didn't know what to do with all that. And I was very fortunate to have a, a dear friend and her husband, who was our pastor at the time, who were able to really um, walk with me down that path of um, patiently listening and hearing my story. And me, you know, speaking that out loud, bringing it into the light was so amazingly free because they weren't judging me. They were just valuing what had happened. And then they, you know, connected me to um, books and to other um, other resources to help me begin to heal from what had happened. 
because I had, you know, I didn't want to remember those things. And I think that's the way with abortion. I think it's the way with pain. You know, if we have an origin of something that was really painful, that we just we just think, I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to either numb it, you know, with a, a substance or with an action, and then it doesn't work. After a time, you know, these things happen to, uh, to all of us, but we can't keep it, you know, keep it under wraps any longer. Mm-hmm. And so our stuffer gets broken. Right. <laughs> anyway, I, I was able to truly come to see God from the right perspective myself and to recognize that He is not the author of evil. And it was evil what was done to me. The person, you know, that did this to me was a broken and unhealed human being which truthfully most of us are to some degree or another and so coming to see that keeping that anger going on my part and the resentment going was really hurting me it was blocking my other relationships and it was keeping alive an incident that I really didn't need to carry anymore I needed to forgive I needed to be loosed from hauling that around all the time and and having it in the forefront of my mind. And so, you know, for me, the process began to be learning to release it to the Lord and to turn that person that had hurt me so deeply over to Him to deal with because He is a God of justice, and I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, I love knowing that God is just, and He will deal with all of us according to what we have done, what we have decided to believe about him first and foremost and then about how we've you know how we've dealt with others in our lives i think that was the beginning for me of really really enjoying life and being present to people in a way that i hadn't been able to be and uh, when door of hope began in 1995 i was one of the first uh, people to go through the volunteer training and uh, it was really eye-opening to see how many women who come to Door of Hope have been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And that's led them into promiscuity, or it's led them, uh, you know, in the other direction, which is, you know, hating, hating any kind of sexual contact. And it's really more often the ones who've had terrible relationships who end up at Door of Hope. I see you. If you don't mind me asking with your personal situation, I guess there's different degrees of forgiveness. There's the thing where you let go, mm-hmm. and then there's, I think, the Hebrew word for forgiveness. It kind of means like a, rest- a restoration of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Were you able to do that? I mean, did you talk to this person about no, this? Okay. No, this person had died by the time mm. I really dealt with things. Mm. and um, But, you know... Um, I think the term re-symbolize is really important because, you know, we, we are symbolic beings. Humans symbolize everything. You know, I can smell coffee and the symbol to me is wonderful. I love coffee. Same with chocolate. But, but there are other smells or other tastes or other, you know, um, things that represent something painful from my past or someone else, you know, would say 
they hated this or they hated that because it, it reminded them of something destructive in their past. Mm-hmm. And so that symbolic understanding is important for us in the healing journey as we think about, you know, what did this person symbolize to me and how can I loose myself, be untied from hauling that around and coloring my world now through that symbol or that, you know, seeing that person as representative of all men or all certain age men, you know, that kind of thing. People in authority or... Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. Now the question is why, why should I forgive the person who abused me or harmed me in some way? And uh, when we really look at God's character and His deep love and concern for our well-being, I think that's really what uh, led me to decide and not feel like because again our culture today is so steeped in how I feel you know if it feels good do it if it doesn't feel good don't or you know if I don't feel happy I'm going to get out of this relationship and you know if it's hard um, I'm going to do something that's easy because I like to feel you know happy all the time well anyway um, you know I have to really pay attention to my choices and recognize that um, I may never feel like forgiving someone, but what is going to do me the most good? Holding on to this anger, this rage, this memory that is so sharp and continues to hurt me over and over again, or forgiving it, giving giving that memory into God's hands to, to take care of, to deal with the person who harmed me, mm-hmm. kind of releasing them to Him for His justice, and seeking to uh, be free, because it's about freedom. Uh, one of the women that I worked with as a co-leader in sexual abuse recovery, because I was, I was led into doing that after my own recovery. I wanted to share that uh, wonderful freedom with other women. And so my co-leader, who has since passed away, she um, has her own story of sexual abuse. And it was a family member, and this person uh, was very dear to my friend, and she uh, was deeply hurt and shocked by the sexual advances that were coming toward her. She ended up actually beginning to have seizures and had to go to the doctor for that. And it wasn't until she was probably in her late 40s when she went to a physician and he said, why have you been on anti-seizure medicine all these years? And she said, well, I don't know. I had a seizure when I was about 15. And he said, well, what was that connected to? And nobody had ever asked her that before, and she began to weep. And she began to, to tell her story wow. for the first time to this very in, insightful physician who listened. And he said, you know, I have seen so many women who have a seizure disorder connected to sexual abuse. Really? Yes. And that was just, wow, talk about helping her, freeing her to begin this healing journey. So I first met her in a... Uh, class that I was teaching, leading, and and uh, she was so filled with rage, just rage at this person that had sexually abused her, and uh, she just, no, I'll never, never forgive him, and 
um, over time and going through a Bible study that we did at that time by Dan Allender uh, called The Wounded Heart, she began to see how God saw what happened and how he would wanted to set her free so that she would not be poisoned by that bitterness. Somebody said that unforgiveness is like um, you know, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. But you're the one who's who's being consumed by that toxic bitterness. Right. I've and heard it. I think it's like trying to to get rid of a get rid of a rat by burning down your own house. Yeah. Or something like yeah that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so she was so tortured and anyway, long story short, what finally happened was she did in fact forgive him um, forgave herself, you know, for being stupid, as she said, being duped, being led down this path of betrayal. So she forgave him and told him so face to face before he died. And, you know, it was an incredibly wonderful story. How did he respond, you know? He wept. He wept. He acknowledged. He knew finally. And it wasn't until he was in a, a nursing home and was experiencing dementia that he began to own up to it, and he remembered, and he, he spoke to her. It was a vulnerable, lucid time mm -hmm. for him, and uh, was so healing. It was such a wonderful opportunity. It's a rare gift mm -hmm. when someone that has, has sexually abused a child or a young person, she was you know about 12 when it began, mm -hmm. And uh, it's a rare gift when that healing can happen. But here she was in her 60s, and he was in his 80s, you oh, know. Wow. And wow. I mean, it was yeah. a miracle. Uh -huh. As she said, I, I'm, I'm ready to meet him in heaven now. Because oh, he was saved. Uh -huh. and he, but he had this place in him that, you know, uh -huh. broken and unhealed. We all are destructive in certain ways. We're, none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. And to begin to even have compassion for one another is uh, its a huge paradigm shift for someone who's been sexually abused. And so they sequenced the human genome now about a decade ago. And about five years ago, the chimp genome was sequenced. And it was possible to you know finally sit with these two mile-long printouts and see what was in common. And, what. and it turns out that we share like 98.9% .9 of our DNA with chimps. So, of course, the question then becomes, where's the differences? Right off the bat, about half the differences in gene expression have to do with genes coding for olfactory receptors. Chimps have a better sense of smell than we do. All sorts of genes they have for olfactory receptors we've inactivated into what are called pseudogenes. What that tells us is if, like, you wipe out half of a chimp's sense of smell genetically, you're halfway there to making a human. Essentially what that says is take a chimp brain fetally and let it go two or three more rounds of division and you get a human brain instead and out come symphonies and ideology and hopscotch and everything else there. What that tells you is with enough quantity, you invent quality. Well, in this culture that we live in, especially I would say like an atheistic or Darwinistic kind of look at things, and again, my atheist friends who might happen to listen to this may not mm -hmm. agree with me, and, and I've had arguments about this, but the logical conclusion is that we're no different than animals, and we're no different than plants. So whether it's a person dies or a you know, dandelion gets mm -hmm. cut up or something, 
there's no difference. It is life, but there's nothing special about human beings. And thus, I feel like abortion being normalized mm -hmm. is probably a manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. How would you argue with that? And they might accuse y'all of instilling guilt in the people who shouldn't have it. Mm -hmm. Guilt is um, an incredibly human feeling. And whether we believe in God or not, we can mm -hmm. feel guilty. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think it, it is so tied to our parents. It's tied to those child years when we were raised by parents who, who were trying to teach us right from wrong. And where do we get our definition of right and wrong? And, you know, is there a right or wrong? Is, is there a true truth? How do we know what's not true? So back to, you know, the dandelion and the human, what's the difference? Well, it goes back to this, this incredible miracle of life, um, you know, and I think looking at Scripture from Genesis on through, you begin to see that God values life. He values His human life um, above all else. That's His crowning glory, you know, that He made man in His image. And what is God's image? And learning who God is, again, His character and, and His attributes is so helpful because it helps us then begin to know who we are as human beings. And apart from that, you know, Tim, I don't know how um, it's just very difficult for people to see their own value and their, their precious qualities that are... Um, are worth taking care of and protecting. And so that unborn life that we want so much to defend and to protect is, you know, as precious as that life of the mother. And that's really important, too, because so often we come across maybe as wanting to save babies, that Door of Hope is only about saving a pregnancy, not so much about the mother or the father. But we stress very much that, you know, that person that comes through the door is made in the image of God and very, very significant, and they matter, and we want to help them no matter what their choice is. In talking with some folks, I feel like, especially women who have had abortions, they feel like they can't possibly ever admit or say that abortion is wrong mm -hmm. or become pro-life or whatever mm -hmm. because that would make them a hypocrite because mm -hmm. they you know, benefited from so-called benefited from the abortion right. and they just felt to be consistent they have to they may say well yeah it's not a good thing but we have to allow it because mm -hmm. I, I partook in it oh and I think lots of vocal um, women you know, in the public eye are, are very much that way. Mm -hmm. They feel um, militant almost in declaring that it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful gift to women mm -hmm. to be able to abort an unwanted child. Right. I think about the women who I have met with who come with grief and they somehow or another have come to a place of realizing their lives are out of control in ways and they, they just cannot... Um, you know, they can't seem to uh, like themselves. They can't seem to love others well. They just seem damaged and they want help. And so when I begin to research with them, well, what's, what is your story? Where, you know, where's your journey gone? I always have a, a box for them to check, you know, that they did have an abortion. 
And I'm amazed at the honesty. It's wonderful that mm-hmm. they're finally being really gut honest because they don't like where they're at. And so um, when they check that, you know, of course, um, there's no judgment. I am not going to, you know, shame them because they've already shamed themselves. They've been locked in that silence. And if they go to church at all, you know, Mother's Day comes around and nobody knows. It's, it's a silent grief. And there's no permission to grieve the loss of that child that um, didn't, you know, didn't come to life mm-hmm. was alive right but, but a very short wasn't allowed to, to exactly continue yeah yeah and so you know I just want so much to help them to recognize that with God's forgiveness for that choice and realizing that that baby is beloved of the Lord mm-hmm. and that when that little life passed from life to death the Lord, you know, took that child to be with Him. And the Bible has scripture after scripture, you know, that, that declare that. And uh, it's so reassuring for women to recognize, oh, I will see my baby again. The Bible study that I lead on recovering from an abortion takes them through the different aspects of grief, mm-hmm. denial and um, anger and forgiveness, of course and then going on into um, a memorial service for that child and naming their baby. At the end of of the Bible study, uh, which is about a 12 or 13 week Bible study, it's a long, long haul, but it is, the title is Forgiven and Set Free, and it was written by a woman who um, had more than one abortion. At any rate, the last event that, that we do is a memorial service for that child, and the mother writes her baby a letter and uh, has been praying, because somewhere in the middle we talk about, God has a name for your child, you know, and have you ever thought what your baby is, what sex, mm-hmm. and, and a name, and so consistently God gives them that name and that sex mm-hmm. of their child. So at the ceremony, some women write a poem, some have a song that they've written or sing. Mm-hmm. And we've had all kinds of wonderful memorial services. Sometimes they want to bring the, um, the baby's father, you know, if they are in a relationship with that one again or, or still. I've even had a woman who brought her other living children to be, you know, to be there and to honor that sibling. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's a strange phenomena that children who have a sibling that was aborted have this this odd sense that somebody's not here. I'm missing a sibling. It's very, very real. And uh, can't really explain it except that it's that uh, strange phenomenon of knowing something. Anyway, so that memorial service um, culminates with, uh, we, we often have communion, and we ask them if they'd like to do that, and we do. And then we have balloons to represent the babies that have been aborted, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, go out and they release them to into the sky with mm-hmm. a prayer or some, you know, some acknowledgement, mm-hmm. and name, name that baby and tell them goodbye. Mm-hmm. 
We've talked about women a bunch. Mm-hmm. And you counsel men as well? Yes. Years ago, actually, my co-leader and I um, were hoping to train up some men to do the recovery Bible study with other men. And so we had our first uh, men's Bible study with two gentlemen that had had abortion experiences, you know, had really felt guilt and grief, and they went through the men's study. We have a men's study, um, Healing a Father's Heart. Anyway, we led them through that, and um, they were very, very moved. It's very different. Well, I was about to ask what the difference would be. I know different scenarios where the men didn't really try to argue the woman out of the abortion, but they knew in their heart they had they were wanting it to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, still blame the woman later. But then the men who forced it, or even parents who forced it right. on, their, on their daughter. Yes, definitely. How does that counseling look? In case someone's listening. Well, I would say, first of all, you know, your feelings are important. Feelings aren't right or wrong. They just are. Mm-hmm but they are indicator lights of what you're thinking and believing. And so often men don't do feelings very well. They won't speak about a feeling necessarily, um, but their life may be falling apart. And the, the, the first men that I, we took through the study each had stories of promiscuity, of uh, alcohol abuse, you know, substance abuse that had really impacted their lives and once they had come to a place where they um, wanted really wanted to be involved in their families with their wives and their children um, this issue wouldn't lay wouldn't you know go be put to rest and so they wanted they really wanted to be forgiven Mm -hmm. for what they had contributed to because they didn't do it but they also didn't stand up and be the man and the thing for men about abortion is that, you know, a man is, is supposed to be the protector, the defender of his family, um, the one who, who um, is out front leading and guiding. And this just throws all that into the trash. Mm-hmm. It's like, how could I do that? You know, that was my child. Um, so their study is, is a little more direct and, and much more concrete than for the woman because they're very different in how they think. Um, but they too ended up with a memorial service and, and it was just really, it was just great. And the guys just felt, you know, so helped and so freed uh, carrying around that guilt and that shame and that sense of um, grief over the loss of that child. Obviously, your counseling is Christian-based. Do you think it's impossible to counsel someone without that backdrop? And I say that because, you know, there's a lot of folks who don't have that belief. They're atheists. If an atheist came to you and said, listen, I I need help. I I don't believe the Bible necessarily, or I, I don't necessarily want to hear it, but can you still help me? I think so, and I do meet with people that are not believers. One of the things that really is the, the bottom line with most of us is, is our losses in life. What, what are our griefs? What are our hurts? It's like a common denominator. You know, everybody's lost something, whether it's car keys or whether it's a family member that passed away. Right. And how do I, you know, where do I, what do I do with that? Well, most people come for counseling because they do want help. They want to manage their lives better than they have been. And even in secular circles, you know, forgiveness is a big, a big issue. Helping people 
excuse me, to be to be free from carrying around that torment, whatever is the tormenting thoughts about themselves or about others. So whether they believe in God or not, they do have similar experiences of um, of loss and and grief over things that have happened in their lives, and so that trail. Uh, can very often, and of course they know that, you know, I'm a, definitely a believer, but I always offer and suggest, you know, things, and, and even give them a scripture if they'll receive that, but there's no, you know, there's no uh, pressure mm-hmm. here to be saved or to somehow come to know God, but um, I will always ask, may I pray for you, and like I've said before, uh, it's been, I think, maybe one or two people have refused. Have said, "No, I don't want you to pray." So, but usually, even someone who isn't uh, has said they're not interested at all in God. Um, really, is is touched by being prayed for, being blessed. Okay, I would like people, men and women, to know that Door of Hope offers a confidential, non-judgmental Bible study available um, for people who have lost a child, either from uh, miscarriage or from early, um, you know, early childbirth loss, SIDS, as well as from an abortion. That's a childbearing loss. All of those are, and and so. Um, I want people to know that that, uh, they can come and they can um, have that confidential person to talk to, to hear their story, and to help them to process the grief and the the hurt that is connected to that loss. We will have people that would take their call at Door of Hope, and that number is 270-821-9825, and there's a uh, Facebook page for Door of Hope, and uh, and so this is available to anybody, anybody, even yes. if they don't live in Kentucky. Absolutely, absolutely, and that phone call, you know, can connect them with a pregnancy care center in their their area, and uh, someone there I know would be able to do the same thing for them. And if you'd like to go the internet or email route, just visit doorofhope.com or write to them via. Info at doorofhope.com. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile is produced by A Closet, A Pocket, and A Suitcase. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or podbeam.com. If you'd like to send us some hate mail, you can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be ya.